I'm just going to start off with a, a warning. Today I'm going to step out of my comfort zone, which probably means that for a lot of you, you're going to come with me, I hope, or there's going to be some really awkward silences. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of which today might end up kind of quite crazy and scary, and I know that because I find them crazy and I'm terrified about, about doing them, but I feel that's what we need to do today, so we're going to do it. So... Um, don't say you weren't warned. But before we do that, we're going to have a quick run through the whole book of Ephesians. Imagine a radical cleric in a Turkish or in a, an Italian jail writing letters to people in Turkey to fire them up, to radicalise them, to take the fight the whole world. Sounds like a Daily Mail headline, but it's not. That's the background to the book of Ephesians. Paul about as radical a cleric as you could ever get, the most clerical cleric you could probably find in the whole of the Jewish church. But uh, he met Jesus, and that radically changed his life. Not towards violence, not towards hatred, not towards doing anything that would harm people, but to spread the good news about Jesus to the whole world. Now, Ephesians is a really important place, because it's in Turkey. I've probably asked you this before. Put your hand up if you've ever been to Turkey. Is there anyone from Turkey? Turkey. Um... My closest association with Turkey is Turkish Delight, which I fear may not have any connection at all. But one of these days. Anyway, Turkey has, has always been described as the kind of a gateway between the East and the West. If you talk about um, Constantinople, Byzantium, uh, oh, no. what's the capital of Turkey? Istanbul. Always been seen one of these kind of gateways. That's why Turkey is so strategic in terms of world politics, but it's... it's um, entry into the EU and all that kind of stuff. It's a kind of pivotal point. On one side, you've got the kind of the Far East. On the other side, you've got Europe and the Mediterranean. So it's a very, very important place. So it's no surprise that Paul was writing a letter to a church in Ephesus because the, the people who would go in and out of, of Ephesus were coming and going from the East to the West. We probably, now I'm making this up. I don't know this is a fact. But I'm, like, I'm liking this in my head, so I'm going to tell you. I think people from Ephesians probably eventually wound their way over here. Right? I don't know. Does anyone know history of the Silk Road? Did it come anywhere near Carlisle? Almost certainly, yeah. So we'll take that one. So Ephesians, kind of key strategic place, both in terms of world politics, but also in terms of the kingdom of God and the spread of the gospel a couple of thousand years ago. So Paul is in prison in Rome. He doesn't have a lot of time, so he is telling the Ephesians a whole lot of stuff. Now I'm going to very, very quickly just rattle through some of the things that we've already looked at. Now, there will be lots of Ephesians we have not covered, or not covered in huge detail, and which I'm going to miss out today because we just don't have enough time. So what I would advise you to do is to go home and read it if you've not already done so. And if you have read Ephesians before, read it again, because I've just been rereading it a few times this week just to make sure I could remember what we talked about, and I kept thinking, oh, I wish I'd said that. Oh, that's brilliant. Why did I not say that? Oh, why did, how did we not do this bit? So please, go home and read, read the whole Bible, but start with Ephesians just today then. Um, what, uh, there was a guy, uh, Natural Supernatural, last summer called Tim Ross, American fella. Very, very excitable wee fella. Great, great guy. But he was basically talking about how you have to fill your head and your heart with the word of God. If we're talking about having a relationship with God, if we're talking about hearing God, if we're talking about speaking back to him, we need to listen. And the best way to listen to what God's saying is to read what he said. If you don't fill your head up with the stuff God has said, you're not going to hear him. 
And when people talk to you about stuff, you're not going to have verses pop into your head. You know those random Bible verses that pop into your head? Now, most of the time, they were there already. Because at some point or other in your, your long history, you've read them. But if you're not reading the Bible, then it, it's like basically just trying to wing it a bit with God. Now, God does miracles. I was hearing today, now who was it was telling me about this in China? Miriam. Miriam was telling me today about people in China meeting Jesus for the very first time and then listening to God and speaking out bits of a Bible they had never, ever read, never heard, never seen written down. And it just came to them. Now, we are in a much more fortunate position than living in a totalitarian regime where you don't get access to the Bible in your own language freely and easily. We've had Bibles all over the place, so we can just read it. It'll make life easy for God. Read what he said to you. And then the next time you're in conversation with somebody, those verses pop into your head, you'll know where they came from. You need to keep, even if it's the stuff you don't understand, even if it's the stuff that doesn't make any sense, just keep filling it up, filling it up, filling it up. And that way, God's got stuff for you to say to other people as well. Anyway, sorry, I didn't actually say that. Ephesians, chapter 1. We are God's family. There's a big family theme running right the way through Ephesians. He talks about dear children, being God's dear children. But we are God's family. We are Christ's body. We are filled with the power of God. Chapter 1. Chapter 2. We were dead. But now through grace, we are alive. And not just that, we are God's masterpiece. And we talked a bit about the masterpiece thing last week as well. I mean, I don't know how many of you feel like a masterpiece. You know? Most of us think of ourselves maybe at best as a work in progress or a, one of those sketches that got thrown on the floor. Not a masterpiece. I, I, Catherine and I used to have badges. We went to a, a Tate uh, exhibition once and I got a badge called Untitled. And I got one for Catherine that said Masterpiece. Such a good husband. <laughs> now and again. Um, so, but we are all masterpieces, and that's a hard thing to take. It's a hard thing to own. It's a hard thing to look at ourselves in the mirror. <laughs> things, isn't it? Just to look at ourselves in the mirror in the morning and say, "You're a masterpiece," you know. God's made you, and thinks, "Wow, my best work." But you've got Jesus filling in some of the blanks there as well, because when He looks at you, if you've opened your heart to Jesus, then God sees His beloved Son. Can't do anything else but love you. So, chapter three. Jesus makes his home in our heart. Our roots go down into God's infinite love. And that's a bit about the, the breadth and the width and the depth and the height. Chapter 4. We were in darkness, but now we live in the light, created to be righteous and holy. Chapter 5. Living in the light, we imitate God. Remember about that? By doing what Jesus did. Full of love. In chapter 6, last week, we heard Andy talking about this. Armour up, ready to go out and take, a king, take the kingdom sorry, to everyone, everywhere. Now, like I said, that's a kind of very brief rattle through Ephesians. Read it for yourself, you'll find tons every time. Here's, here's a challenge. I challenge every single man, boy, and other people in the room, ladies and gentlemen, all everybody, sorry. <coughs> I challenge everyone... To read Ephesians this week and not find something new. Okay? If you can read Ephesians right the way through and speak to me next week and say, I read it all the way through from start to finish. Not just kind of speed reading to get through it, but I read it and I didn't find anything new and God didn't speak to me. I will be shocked. 
quite frankly, quite surprised. I don't think that's possible. You will. That's a promise from God. Take it from me. Okay, there's so much more in Ephesians. We could probably have been looking at it from 1972 and still finding new stuff. Anyway, right at the very end of chapter, well, not quite the very end, at the very, very, very end of chapter 6, there's lots of cheerio, how are you, thanks very much, that's Paul, and pray for various people. But just before that, there's this verse, and this is what we want to talk about in principle this morning. It says, Pray in the Spirit at all times, on every occasion. Stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. I'm just going to read that again because we're going to talk about it for a fair bit. Pray in the Spirit at all times, on every occasion. Stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. It seems that to Paul, praying in the Spirit is just praying. He doesn't make a decision, a definition really, or a difference between praying in the Spirit and just praying, because it's for all times and every occasion. That doesn't leave really any other opportunity to pray any other way, so it's got to be in the Spirit all the time. So we're going to look a little bit this morning about what that might actually mean, and then as we take one step and then two or three outside my comfort zone, we're going to start practicing it. We're going to do some praying. Now you might have noticed there are four posters up on the wall. These are version two of these posters because I left the first ones at home having done them this morning. I'm spelling one wrong but never mind. We'll come to these four points in a wee minute but today you're going to be getting up off your seats, you're going to be moving around and you're going to be talking to God. Not talking to anybody else necessarily but if you want to pray with and for other people that's fine. But principally this is about you and God. A friend of mine once said, how do you worship, or I asked them, how do you worship without kind of feeling terribly self-conscious about all the people watching you? Because we used to go to Soul Survivor, and we used to take out a group of kids to Soul Survivor every year, and there was always this girl, for about five years in the shot, there was this girl who did dance, not on the stage, kind of like organised, she just did it wherever she was, and she would just, oh, she went. Kate Bush, remember Kate Bush, Wuthering Heights, it was very like that. And the, and the young people that we took with us find this slightly amusing, because it's not something that happened in our Baptist church in Warwick very often, ever. Um, and I remember saying to, saying to how do you how do you stop being so self-conscious when you're just, on, you want to be on your own with God, but there's a whole lot of other people there. So my friend said to me, just imagine there's a tube, a glass tube, and it runs from round about you right the way up to heaven. And really, the only thing that matters is what's coming and going up and down this tube between you and God. So you might have to do a little bit of that today. A little bit of, nobody else is here, it's just me and Jesus. Just me and God, it's just me and the Holy Spirit. And we're just going to communicate that way and there's going to be stuff flying up and down this tube. I'm pretty sure it sparkles and glitters all the way up and down. So, praying in the Spirit. Right. What does it mean to pray in the Spirit? Does it mean some weird trance-like state of otherworldliness? Possibly. Does it mean only when you're really desperate and have no one else to turn to but God? Maybe. Does it mean bellowing at the ceiling about how unfair life is and you can't begin to think what you've done to deserve this? Almost certainly. Does it mean promising to pray for someone then forgetting? No. Does it mean rattling off the same shopping list of requests every day, parrot fashion? Probably not. Prayer. It's just a conversation. 
with your best friend. I've met people over and over and over again who just, I can't pray. I have family members. I won't go into the detail because you might meet them one day. I hope, I really, really hope the person I'm thinking about right now, you will all get to meet. She's wonderful. Anyway, she always says, I can't pray. I don't know what to say. God's not going to listen to me. He listens to you, but he doesn't listen to me. I'm not worth it. I'm not good enough. Blah, blah, blah. All these kind of reasons for not praying. But prayer is just a conversation. Can you... I'm going to ask some questions here. A little bit of audience interaction. Put your hand up if you've ever talked to your best friend. So the people who don't put their hands up haven't got best friends. See if you see anyone with no hand up, befriend them. Put your hand up if you've ever talked to your pet. Cat, dog, mouse, hamster, snail. I have a friend who has pet snails. I'm not sure how long they last because she also likes French food. Put your hand up if you ever talked to a tree. Come on now, be honest. Yeah? A cloud? A brick wall? I was a teacher. I did it professionally for about 12 years. If you can talk to any of these things, you can definitely talk to God. Because he's actually listening and he loves you and he will say stuff back. Don't worry about what you say or how you say it. It's a conversation. You're just like talking to your best friend who loves you and really just wants to hear your voice. Half the thing with God is he's just thinking, it's you, where have you been? It's you again. Oh, we waited so long to talk to you. What have you got to say? Come, sit down, talk to me. Just imagine that kind of thing when you talk to God. You don't need a special form of words. I used to think that you couldn't really start praying without saying, beloved Heavenly Father, and then you'd say something. There was always a kind of form of words. Or you had to be stand up, or you had to be sat down, or you had to have your eyes closed or not closed, you had to have your hands together, or your head down. You know, all these things you do at primary school, but holding your hands and blah, blah, blah. All of these kind of things. There is a portion. There is a voice, a prayer voice. And we all have a prayer voice. We might have a telephone voice. We might have a cross voice. I was a teacher, so I had an angry voice. But you don't need a special voice to talk to God. You just talk to God. Talk. Words. Let them come out of your mouth. As simple as that. And yet it's really quite complicated as well. Because it messes with our head. If God knows what I'm going to ask him before I ask him, why do I need to ask him? Because you need to ask him. That's why. So, praying in the Spirit. The Spirit is power. We've looked at all the way through Ephesians. The Spirit, same power that brought Jesus out from the grave, lives in you. So when you pray in the Spirit, that's the power you're tapping into. That's who you've got on your side in the court of heaven. When you're talking to Jesus, to God through his Son and the power of the Spirit, that's where you're at. This is not a little distant whisper from a thousand miles away that you can barely hear. This is right in the court of heaven, like with a megaphone. That's the power of the Spirit. So when you pray in the power of the Spirit, you are heard. It's almost deafening. The angels in heaven are probably going, loud, we're trying to sing. The spirit is transformative. Now this is where we're going to get to our four bits. There's a plan here. It's all kind of coming together so far. The spirit is transformative. Praying in the spirit must change something. The Holy Spirit changes us. The Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit changes people for the better. So when we pray in the spirit, something will be transformative. Something will change. It's when we plead, God, this is not right. There's an injustice, there's an imbalance, there's something wrong. It needs to change. It needs to be better. People need to be helped. So when we pray in the Spirit for transformation, that's when the Holy Spirit can do stuff. Things can change. 
The Spirit is creative. Right back Genesis 1, when the world was created, the Holy Spirit was there doing it. So we pray in the power of the Spirit, creation pricks its ears up and thinks, oh, something's going to happen, new stuff. So when we pray in the Spirit, we can expect God to give us new ideas, to fire up our imagination, to give us dreams of huge, big stuff and little tiny things, but things that will take the kingdom out there and make a difference and create new life. The Spirit also convicts. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Prayers in the Spirit will show us what we need to change. It will show us what we are doing that's not right. But not so that it can just batter us about the face and neck with a guilt trip, but it will show us the way to do it properly, the way to do it better. It will bring in forgiveness. The Holy Spirit points us at Jesus and said, can be forgiven. This is not a place you need to stay for the rest of your life. You've messed up. happens. You are forgiven. Just say sorry. And then the Spirit can give gifts. Now we, we read in Galatians 5, the, the, the fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, patience, peace, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I did have to write them down because I never, never remember them all. And lots of other good stuff as well, but there's also the spiritual gifts of teaching, of prophecy, of speaking in tongues, of healing people, of hearing from God. All of these things. And God wants to give these gifts, good gifts, to his children, his dear children, as we heard earlier on. So for all of these reasons, there are fabulous excuses and reasons to pray. I kind of put this off long enough. Now we're going to have to do it. Now this is a bit that I'm really quite worried I remember occasionally when I was a teacher, I used to do wonderfully interactive lessons. And now, children, we're all going to do this. And they would all just look at me. Like, no, we're not. Yes, we are. We're going to do it because it's really great fun. And they're going, sounds terrible to me. So I'm slightly concerned that today could, could go like this. But I'm sure you all won't do that because you're nice people. Just fake it. That'll be fine. <clears throat> we are going to pray. Now, we're going to pray over four places. For, we'll do this, I don't know, for as long as it feels like we should keep doing it, which could either be an awful long time or very, very So, we've got four places around the room. I've tried to put them where there are not very many seats so that nobody can just stay where they are. But over in the far corner there, we have forgiveness. And it says over there, Jojo, what does it say? I can't remember what I wrote. It says, thank you for forgiving me, right? That's the presumption when you go to Jesus to say sorry. The presumption is you will be forgiven. You can take that as read. Just say sorry. Over here we have create. Jesus, inspire us to dream big and small for the kingdom. Over there by Adam, sorry. Terrible with names. We have receive. Jesus, show me the spiritual gifts you have for me. And it's not like you're going into a gift shop and just looking and thinking, oh, I can't afford any of these, I don't really want these, they won't fit, they're not the right colour. Jesus is basically saying, no, have this one, have this one, this one, this will do you, you'll be good at this, take it. And then right down at the back here we have transform. This is my kind of favourite bit, because I, I, I get bored very easy, and I really like new. Will somebody on the mics tell me when I'm about to make a horrible noise with, by going too close to something? Anyway, transform. Jesus, this needs to change. If there's something in your life, in the life of your family, or of the city, or of your school, or of your place of work that you know needs to change, then that's where you need to go and pray. Warning. 
Jesus might just say, yes, it does, and you're going to do it. But be careful. Okay? Now, we're going to do this for, I'm not going to say we'll all go to there, to there, there. Basically, go wherever you want. It would be lovely. It would really, really be lovely if there was not a soul sat down. But if that's not going to happen, that's fine. I'm not going to push anybody to do anything they want. But it would be lovely just to see people moving around and praying. Feel free to stay for as long as you like at any of the four places. You don't have to pray out loud. You're not praying to lead anybody else. You're just talking to God, having that conversation. There may be one or two strategically placed individuals who will offer to pray with you if you'd like. Or you might see somebody who needs praying for and you will offer to do that for them as well. And can I just remind you, that has no age limit whatsoever. None at all. No matter how old or young you are, you can still pray for somebody else. Just have a little rerun in your head of what you've prayed for, what you've heard, if people have prayed with you, what you've heard from them as well. Uh, And then maybe in a minute we can invite people, just if you want, there's no pressure on this at all, but I think God's been speaking to people and I think he's laid stuff on the hearts of people here and he said, you need to tell this to other people. When I was standing over beside the receive bit, I got a really strong impression that God was wanting to give people a voice. And a voice in as much as an opportunity to tell people about him, but also just to find the courage to say it. So if, if that is you, oh, it's you. This is my wife. I don't usually have a voice. I do like standing up front, but when we, I went to transform, I was standing next to coffee, and it was the nearest one to me. Um, and I really just felt that I had to, to pray for bravery. Now, I don't do that lightly, because I, for the last 30 odd years, I have been avoiding praying for that. Because I know when that when you pray that, that it will happen, but I just prayed that I would be less concerned about what people looking at me would think about what I was doing, and more concerned about what Jesus would think of what I was doing. And so that's that's my prayer this morning. So if you see me, just kind of, really said crapping out a bit. What I have, if you see me being a bit frightened of taking an opportunity, I now give you permission to say to me, you said that, okay? So, <laughs> okay, we started kind of high up here, that uh, can help me to work our way up to that kind of thing. Anybody else? My name is Margaret. Last week, Andy said about Ephesians 6, about a breastplate, a helmet, a sword, a shield. He asked what we saw when we saw the illustrated on the screen. I saw God. A God 
I saw God. A God that was unyielding when you digressed. But there is hope. Because Ruth, chapter 2, verse 12, said, And God spread his wings to shield us. So we can have something that is soft and unyielding and very fragile, but as strong as hell. Thank you very much. Thank you. I went to Create because I'm dead excited about Create. Um, and I got a vision while I was there. I, I loved Graham's vision of the tube and the sparkles and the sprinkles because being a magpie, that really speaks to me. But I was stood there and I just felt so blessed while I was praying. And a real challenge, the fact that I'm not very good at relying on other people. I'm not very good at relying on God. And I am learning that through my steps day that I have to do that on a daily basis. And when I was stood there, God says, you're not on your own. And I had this vision while I was praying. And this tube, as he said, with these sprinkles and sparkles going up and this light and just shining out. And there was these other pods all over praying around me with all these other glass tubes and lights and stuff. And God really saying that you're not on your own. Look, there's all these other people. And you don't have to rely on anybody else because I'm relying on everybody else. And there's this whole city that's lit up with all these bright sparks and lights and things. So I'm challenging you because God's challenging me that we're not on our own and that we have to do it together and that God is going to do good things. I was at uh, Transform as well. And uh, I really had the sense of God speaking to me and saying, you know, transformation is not magic. It's not sort of airy-fairy and mysterious. It's a, uh, a commitment to getting the job done. It's a commitment to hard work. Um, every Sunday when I come in here in this venue, I just love it because it's been so transformed. And it wasn't, you know, that we all sat in the corner and just prayed about it, although we did that. It was a commitment to hard work from lots of people. One of my favorite verses says this, You will be known as the repairer of broken walls, a restorer of streets with dwellings. And every time I say that, it makes me really emotional. You'll be known as a repairer of broken walls, a restorer of streets with dwellings. It's in Isaiah 61. How will you be known as that? I'll tell you how you'll be known as that. And this really came to me as I stood there. People are going to see you repairing the walls and restoring the streets. That's how you'll be known. It's getting on with the job. It's not, not just, just hoping, you know. We pray to God that God will help us transform. But we are going to do the work and get in there. And transformation is an ongoing commitment to the end game, to the result that we want to see. Thanks. Uh, Luke and I were standing by the Create uh, window, just sort of looking out across that uh, across the city, thinking about um, the year ahead. Um, something that uh, we've been having a conversation about at home is about conversation, about getting to to open conversation. I think the sort of sense that we got was praying for a city that would start conversations. Um, and I was reading some research recently just, just how hard it is to have a conversation. 
in, in marriage, you know, between each other. As English people, sometimes we're walking away from it, but that sense of walking towards, um, and maybe us being the people that start the conversation, maybe. Maybe leadership in 2019 is, is us just walking across the room and starting the conversation in a place where conversation can be so difficult. So that sense of creating conversation, maybe that is leadership for us uh, as God's people. just want to take a few seconds just to thank the church for prayer. And just to encourage you in this season of prayer, when I've been getting the uh, text through every morning, uh, I've just been reminded of how thankful I should be for prayers that have been offered for me, for Elsa and for our family. Um, I won't go into a lot of detail because if I start, I'll probably never stop. But many of you who've been praying have known this has been a particularly difficult season uh, in our lives and our family, a uh, particular uh, trouble that we're still working through. And um, <clears throat> a lot of you have been praying um, collectively, privately, um, in ones and twos. And um, things are still not perfect, but things are starting to change. Um, <clears throat> so if you go into this 40 days of season of prayer, wondering, does it work, then... It does. It does. Um, Elsa and I were just reflecting in the week that we are not doing anything different. We haven't found a magic formula. Um, we haven't pressed the magic button. It probably doesn't exist, but things are starting to change. And I'm convinced that's only because of prayers of people in this room, elsewhere in the city, indeed all around the world. Uh, so be encouraged in your praying. It's not just a exercise to tick a box on the church calendar. Um, it really does work. So keep praying. Thank you. Um, I was at the Transform sort of station, and Alison said, "Should we pray about sort of next Sunday?" And um, just as I did, sort of, um, don't know. You know, when you crack an egg, sort of, it's just the crack, but then it suddenly breaks wide open, and that's how I was seeing hearts as we actually go out. That sort of just the little tiny things that we're going to sort of be presenting will sort of form a crack in the hearts, which will just open them up for sort of God's love to pour in. Hi, most of you don't know me. I'm new, um, but I love being here, and I prayed in this corner here um, for spiritual gifts and just asking the Lord where I might fit in here and he didn't answer me the way I thought he would he gave me a passage of scripture saying from Jeremiah 29 um, for I know the plans that I have for you declares the Lord plans for your welfare and not for your calamity that you'll call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And I will be found by you, says the Lord. <laughs> and I will gather you from all the nations 
and from all the places where you've been, and I will bring you home. So, so what I'm saying is that this is my I really didn't want to have to do this. <laughs> um, it's probably just for me. Like, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, and God's been saying the same thing to me for years. And uh, I guess I'm still trying to figure out what it actually means. So I did a bit of a tour. I was over there on forgiveness. And it's, it's the greatest example of love, isn't it? Yeah, it's just, it's all, it's all about love. So then I went over to Transform. <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. And there's, a, there's, there's someone that a lot of us know who has been having a really rubbish time at school. <coughs> He's, yeah, been getting bullied and just been mistreated and it's it's not cool it's not okay so I'm over there and you know it's like you want to be like right god these bullies can you just break their legs or like can you smite them down this is not okay that's, do you know what I mean like do something about this and god's like yeah that example that's what needs to happen Because love will, will change that. And love will be the thing that melts their hearts. You know, like more than looking at a picture of a kitten that, that makes you go like, oh, I'm really angry. Oh, kitten. Oh. It's like, no, forget that. Like God's love, that will be like the blowtorch to a hard, crispy heart, right? That's just going to melt it. And then I went over here and it's like... Yeah, I, I normally feel pretty rubbish when it comes to like spiritual gifts. I don't feel like I have much. And God's like, just love, man. Just do what I tell you to. Just love. Just follow that example. You know, just be bold. Speak out. It doesn't have to be fancy stuff. Just love and just speak of love. And then create. It's like, you know, I was thinking like, oh yeah, you know, like how can we speak more of love? Maybe we could start an Instagram page that's like just about love. Like in, Instagram works well, but what if we didn't get many followers? Or maybe we could talk about it on Facebook. And God's like, I've done this already. Like th- people talk about this on the radio. Like it's it's on the airways. Do you know what I mean? It's on Instagram already. It's in the Bible. It's like through through the histories. There's a story of love there that goes beyond social media. It goes beyond technology. You know, and it's like word of mouth. <laughs> And like, just, yeah, it's there. It's just like, we receive it, we speak it out, you know? And people be like, have you heard about this Jesus guy? Oh, is it, I'll look him up, is he on Instagram? Like, nah, it's bigger than that, man. But yeah, yeah. And like I say, this is probably just for me. But it might be for some of you here, and if it is, then that's cool. Just love, follow that, that example of love. There isn't a better example, and we just need to do more of that. That will change stuff.
um, I, I've, I've learned the hard way not to have heroes because nearly everybody that was a hero of mine when I was growing up turned into something else. But Steve, where's he gone? Steve, stand up. He is my hero. He really is. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, a wonderful little angel just told me that the children are coming up. Now, before we go, this was the bit. Remember when I said we were going to have to set, step outside the comfort zone? We haven't done it yet. <laughs> it's coming, and I'm still scared. But I just, I just want to say thank you to everybody who has just got into this this morning. It's been so lovely to see people just doing business with Jesus running about. So thank you for being brave enough to do that and for not making me look like an idiot. I can do that quite easily on my own. Um, but before we go... This is the thing I wanted to, to do, which I was really, really anxious about. Now, I was brought up in a church tradition where there would be a, a weekly service, and for most of it, nothing happened. There would be prolonged periods of silence, punctuated by old men standing up and praying. Now you're thinking, that's the church. But it was kind of different, because they weren't praying for anything. It wasn't prayers of intercession. It wasn't praying for a situation. It was just telling God how wonderful he was and how much they loved him. Now, if you've seen a 75-year-old man in a dark suit and a dark tie with a very dark expression stand up in a room with tears running down his face because he suddenly realised how much God loves him, then... That's praying in the Spirit. And I would really love it if we could do that now. Now, how are we going to... I've not really thought this through properly. Um, but I just think the best way to do this is to imagine the tubes. Elsa, where are you? That was wonderful. Thank you so much for that. Just imagine everybody's in their own little tube, right? And it's glitter and it's streamers and it's party time just between you and God. So we're all going to do this together at the same time. We are, as much as being British can ever afford us the freedom to do so, but we are going to forget about all the people beside us. So if you're up for this, stand up.